Welcome to Trinity Forum Conversations. I'm your host and the president of the Trinity Forum, Cherie Harder. Today we begin a special Lenten podcast series where each week we'll explore a Christian spiritual practice. To help us frame our thinking about how we're formed spiritually and what the goal of formation is, we're turning to author and Anglican priest Tish Harrison Warren. In this conversation, Tish helps make us conscious of the habits, practices, and liturgies that are present and forming us in our everyday life. Tish does a beautiful job of recasting spiritual disciplines, not as an effort to make ourselves worthy of God's love, but as a response to God's declaration that we are already His beloved. We hope this conversation inspires you to consider anew the formative power of your habits and to join us weekly in exploring spiritual disciplines not out of obligation, but out of a deep and growing sense of your own belovedness before God. With that, here's today's conversation. Thinking about spiritual formation and the role that liturgy plays is so many of our repetitive actions, we repeat them so much and so unconsciously that we're likely not even aware of it, you know, much like a fish doesn't know it's wet. Um, so what, how do we think about becoming aware of the liturgies that form us, that we so regularly participate in as to hardly notice them anymore? Yes, that's such a good question because before COVID, I would go um, to play around co the country and people would often ask me to speak on my book. And sometimes I would do workshops where we would do what was called a liturgy audit. When I would ask people questions, they would fill out um, a form and it would say things like, what do you do with the first two hours of your day? What do you do with the last two hours of your day? What are the things you notice that you repetitively go to when you feel afraid or lonely or anxious? What are the things you repetitively go to when you feel, when you want to celebrate? And so it's supposed to just sort of help people think about their time. And the, by far the most common response I get for it, for, so we, we do the liturgy audit and then we talk about kind of how we feel about the, we respond, we do a debrief of it. And the most common thing is people said, I realize I have no idea how I spend my time. I don't know what I do in my work day. I, I, I mean, I know I am going to work every day, but when I, but when I have to stop and think about it, I, so much of this is, is a blur, it blows by me. And so a lot of this is sort of stopping and noticing our own lives. What I've, I have seen as people enter this, there's, a, there's kind of a progression of, of I don't know how I use my time. And then people start to pay attention to it and they, and they get sort of depressed because they, <laughs> they go either, I spend so much of my time in ways that are compulsively checking email or compulsively going to Twitter or compu I mean compulsively organizing my cabinets. That's not my personal struggle, but some people that is. <laughs> but then the other thing people say and get depressed about is so, they, they feel like so much of my time is quotidian. It's so daily. I spend so much time when I think about it doing the dishes. I spend so much time when I think about it um, sitting in traffic. This is before COVID. I spend so much time sleeping or having to work out or having to take care of my mother who is ailing. And so we realize 
much for all, and this goes for 100% of the human population, much of our life is taken up with small and quotidian things. And then hopefully they go to a third step of finding God in those things that take up their life. And there's some encouragement there. But I have noticed there's this sort of, I have no idea what's happening in my life. And then moving to, oh, I'm not sure I like what's happening in my life. And then what, where, where is God? And that where's the presence of God in the midst of this? You talk a lot in your book, not only about the formational power of repetition, you know, and kind of structural habits, priorities in one's life, but even at one point, talk about it as being an imprint on one's soul. And there's a dark side to that as well, and that there are all too many people who have grown up where that imprint has been abusive or pathological in some ways, the daily habits priorities, assumptions of their life uh, were at best dysfunctional, um, often outright abusive. Mm -hmm. And some of those folks may be keenly aware of the imprint on their life, desperately wanting to throw it off and not sure how. Uh, What do you say to those who are, they recognize, not always, perhaps not fully, but at least partially the imprint but they really struggle to hammer it out. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a big question. And um, it's going to be hard for me not to tell you that's a good question after everything you say, because you're asking great questions. But um, so here's, I want to say a few things about this. The book, I don't want anyone to understand the book as there's this kind of ideal liturgy of the ordinary that we are, that we will, that is kind of the quote unquote right way to live. And everyone needs to sort of get on board with that. So what, what I'm saying is that all of us in our daily life will struggle with sin. We will struggle with doubt. We will struggle with grief and, and, and anxiety and fear and things like sloth, right? And laziness and, um, and pride, you know, pride and all kind of greed, all um, kinds of things. And so, uh, so some of them, the things like grief or anger that are not sinful and some of them that, that are cut out of our fallenness. So um, there has been, you know, since I've, this book has come out, people have come over to my house that I've met since the book and been, you know, sad to find that it's not this like harmonious monastery here that like, my children don't come in every hour and are like, mother, it's our liturgy time to do the, you know, book of common prayer. And the, I hope there's an earthiness to the book that it's not a, it's not sort of a how to of how to, how to be the liturgically perfect Christian. The point is that we are all formed by a lot of forces in the world. Growing up is one, our culture is one. There's certainly cultural liturgies and habits that we that we imbibe liturgies from our families of origin and our, the families we form, that some of them are good things that form us to be more whole and more loving and, and able to give and receive love. And some of them deform us, they malform us. And that goes for family liturgies, that also goes for cultural liturgies. So all of this has is a process and it's a process of repenting and it's a process of growing more whole and when I say repenting there 
I don't just mean stop sinning, although that could be part of it, but I'm using John Mark Comer defines repentance as rethinking reality from the ground up. And I like that definition because when I say, I'm saying this is, this is a way to form ourselves so that we are with our bodies, with our time, rethinking reality from the ground up. We are living into the story of Jesus instead of stories that are false stories that we grew up with, stories that we are not beloved, stories that our life doesn't matter, stories that we're mostly left here on our own to try to eke out an existence for ourselves. Um, so through these, through our daily practices, we are living, leaning into repentance, into rethinking reality around the person of Jesus. And so for all of us, that is a process. For all of us, that's a broken process. This book, and I, and I think the entire Christian life, is an invitation into transformation and grace. But all of that is rooted in God. And so I start the book talking about baptism and how before Jesus did anything, before he healed people, before he did really anything at all impressive, at his baptism, he was declared beloved. This is my beloved son. And so as we are baptized as Jesus, um, that is spoken over us. We are beloved. And so that's the, that is the most crucial and constant, almost as a physical constant, so I talk about it in my second book, a fact of our lives is that we are beloved in God. And so all of our practices aren't to try to make ourselves beloved. Mm-hmm. They're not to try to work ourselves up so that God might tolerate us, but they're out of this the response. It's a response to the invitation to find ourselves as the beloved, to live more freely as the beloved. So I think for all of us, whether whether you're from a really broken um, home and background, or you know, your parents were just r- regular sinners. All of us are having to live our lives, learning to walk more deeply day by day into the belovedness we have in Jesus. And so, I think there's an invitation in this. I think that being imprinted is really real, and some of us are more imprinted more deeply than others in that. So, I don't think we're gonna make it. I don't think like. Uh, I, I think there will be hurt and ways that we're malformed or imprinted badly that we'll, we may carry with us the rest of our lives. But the point isn't to sort of ascend a spiritual ladder. The point is to become more and more human, more and more, more whole. And so I think that's we can all walk into that. Wherever, wherever we find ourselves, we can walk into that. Thanks so much for joining us on this Lenten journey, exploring the spiritual practices. To listen to this or any of our conversations in full, please visit our website at ttf.org.